Welcome, welcome, welcome to Midday Treat with NAZ Elite, a monthly podcast in which I chat with Hoka NAZ Elite team members, and you'll get a behind-the-scenes scoop on their training, racing, and everyday lives. I'm your host, Eric Sensman. You can find our monthly podcast on SoundCloud uh, by searching Hoka NAZ Elite, and you can learn more about the faces behind the team uh, by visiting their website, nazelite.com, their Facebook page, Northern Arizona Elite, or their Instagram and Twitter, both at NAZ underscore Elite. For our first episode in 2018, I had the great privilege of welcoming Stephanie Bruce to the podcast. Uh, Stephanie recently announced that she's going to be running the 2018 London Marathon on April 22nd. So we talk about that big news, why she decided on London, uh, what her training will look like leading up to London, and then she takes us back to her 10th place finish at the 2017 New York City Marathon to discuss some of her training leading up to that race, as well as how she recovered from it. And once we get through some of the training and racing and all those details, We turn to a bunch of other topics. Uh, We discuss her pregnancies um, and how she's bounced back from those to be racing as well as ever. Uh, We talk about some topics related to social media, including some buzz on Twitter about the difference between bragging and sharing content. Uh, Steph then talks to us about the team environment, uh, sort of the culture at NAZ Elite and what it's like to race and train with that group. Uh, She talks about uh, one of her teammates, Kellen, and talks about one of her new teammates, uh, Allie. So we get to hear uh, some of the inside scoop on those dynamics. And once we get through all that, she uh, lets us know what she expects at London this year and what she's shooting for. Uh, So I think the biggest takeaway for me uh, with this podcast is just how genuine Steph is and... um, She's in the sport for the right reasons, and I think that really comes across uh, in this podcast as she gets talking. So um, sit back, relax, and get to know Steph Bruce on this month's edition of Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. this year I'm very excited to welcome Stephanie Bruce. Uh, Stephanie recently won the 2018 Rock and Roll Arizona Half Marathon and a couple months ago placed 10th at the 2017 New York City Marathon. Uh, Stephanie welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So uh, the first thing we'll get into uh, you had a big announcement just a couple days ago that you will be running the 2018 London Marathon. Uh, So why the London Marathon? I'm excited to run London, you know, for a couple of different reasons. It's a really historic race, and it's a super fast course. Um, they usually have deep fields, and I'm kind of on a mission to get rid of my seven-year-old PR. Um, I ran 229 back in 2011, and London just felt like the right place to do it. You know, after coming back from having my kids, I've run two marathons, both on hillier courses, and they were solid, but I feel like I'm ready to, to make that next jump, and London felt like the right place to do it. 
Sure, sure. And uh, you mentioned some of the reasons uh, uh, to run London, one of them being the, the deeper field. Um, is there anyone in the field that you're especially excited to, to race? London's going to be special because, you know, there's a world record attempt going on with Mary Katani, so that's going to drag the front of the race out very fast. But I also feel like there's a big gap because you have, you know, a handful of 221 women or better, and then there's a big gap up to 228. Um, we have a couple Americans, so I'm excited to race. Uh, Becky Wade is running, Liz Costello, and then Allie Kiefer. And Allie beat me at New York, so of course I like to turn around and try to beat her at London. Um, so I think it's going to be a great race for us, and there's also a couple um, great British and Scottish runners, so hopefully we can kind of bridge that gap between the 221 girls and the 228 field. Sure. And we're, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I'm curious to know, some, some runners will, of course, ahead of time, state goals. So, of course, you have uh, a world record attempt being stated ahead of time, but others will throw out uh, times and so forth. So I'm curious if that sort of interests you or if that will change the way you approach the race or sort of what you take away from people ahead of time sort of, you know, stating some of their, their bold uh, A goals, I guess we'd call them. Sure. I, I used to be a big, you know, I guess time goal person. And earlier in my career, time's, time is obviously very important. Um, and it helps give you a measure of getting to the next level or the breakthrough that you're looking for. But then the longer I've been in it, you know, time is so arbitrary because I look at U.S. women like Amy Hastings. It's crazy, but her PR is like 227.01. Yet she's won the Olympic trials. She's won a world Olympic, excuse me, a world medal um, last year at the London Games. So if you ask me what I take her PR <laughs> or like having an Olympic medal, or excuse me, a world medal, you would obviously take that. <laughs> right. um, you know, and she's someone that if we're all trying to shoot for running under 227, 226, Amy hasn't even done it, but she's accomplished so many other great things. So time kind of becomes irrelevant to me um, in that regard. I more just want to take steps and using the fitness that I have gained over the last few years and been able to do workouts that to me are indicative of like a big breakthrough. I just want to make sure that translates to race day. So it's less of picking a time. It's more getting really fit in training and seeing what that turns into on race day. Sure. Sure. And we'll, and we'll get more into some of that um, specific preparation here uh, shortly. So we'll leave that for now. Um, one other thing uh, we'll discuss um, before moving on, when it comes to choosing a race, uh, a marathon in particular, you mentioned some of the reasons for choosing London. Um, I I'm sure you had different reasons for choosing New York, maybe some overlapped, but you know, whether you're you know, the f a first-time marathoner or a middle-of-the-pack marathoner or an elite, um, you have to have reasons for choosing your races. So I think people would just be curious probably that uh, why you would choose, you know, New York last fall um, versus London now versus some other race in the future. As an elite, what are sort of all the considerations you look into? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, a lot of times in our career, you have a couple things that come into play. Obviously, financial reasons, you know, if, if one race is going to offer an appearance fee that might trump another race, that can be important. Um, if you're going there for a time goal, looking at a fast, flat course that typically has good weather. And then the other part of it is seeing where you stack up just racing the marathon. I think a lot of my marathons that I ran early in my career 
were more, I don't want to say tactical, but they weren't very flat, fast courses. I ran Honolulu, I ran Boston, um, I ran Twin Cities. So there were courses where I wasn't necessarily setting out to run like a blazing time, but I just wanted to compete. And um, looking back last year at New York, New York has always been, I guess, my bucket list of big city marathons that I want to win one day. And I wanted to wait to a point in my career where I felt like I could be with the lead pack. Um, and I had just gotten to a place in training in 2017 where I felt like I was ready to be with the lead pack. And maybe I got a little lucky, but the race went out pretty tactical. We were like 76 minutes through halfway, which on a normal New York year, that is pretty slow and tactical. But it made it so exciting and thrilling because, you know, there were 20 women in the lead pack running through 15 miles, and that's pretty rare um, in that marathon. But it was it was a really great affirmation for me and my teammate Kellen. Like, we were in the lead pack in the New York City Marathon, and if I can be there till 15 miles, you know, as my career goes on, hopefully I can be there till 20 and then eventually be there till 26.2. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, so let's stick with the New York City Marathon um, by way of example. Uh, so your coach, Ben Rosario, uh, has said that, more or less you're racing and, and training better than ever uh, right now. And um, you had been obviously training and racing quite well previously. And in between, you had uh, two kids. Um, so I, I'm curious if, if you agree with Ben that you think you're at your highest level at the moment uh, and if you're kind of in a better position to do well at a race like the New York City Marathon or London um, than ever before. Yeah, it's really nice of Ben. He doesn't throw compliments <laughs> out a lot, so when you get one, you hold on to it. Like the joke on the team is, someone will run like a great race, and then Ben won't tell that person, but he'll tell like the teammate. Like after I ran the 10K at Stanford, and Scott Fauble ran it. He's like, Stephanie, did you see Fauble? I'm like, I did. Did you see my race? But it's such a funny joke. Um, yeah, so I've been really lucky with Ben because I've been with him basically – since I had Riley, um, and so for the first time, Ben was kind of navigating trying to coach a postpartum, you know, pro athlete, and there's not that many in the sport, and he obviously didn't have much um, background on that, but we sat down, and we, like, came up with a really great plan, like, he met me weekly, and it was painful at times, because he'd have to be like, oh, great, you ran 23 minutes yesterday, like, let's try for 30 tomorrow. Um, but it was really great. And I think we, we both learned a lot. And hopefully, if he has to coach any other postpartum women later um, in his career, that he'll know what to do. But we just, we realized we couldn't be aggressive like that first year postpartum. And I got lucky, I guess I ran the um, 10k at Stanford and I was six months postpartum and I ended up just squeaking under the Olympic standard so that kind of showed me like I was ready to be back at the level but then two months later I got hurt right before the Olympic trials and I kind of hobbled my way to like a 20th place and it was very embarrassing but then I realized hey you're only 10 months postpartum like there's not any other women in this race who are in that situation so you know give yourself a little bit of break and once I did that, something just, I guess, changed in my head, and I realized I'm on, like, a different path. It's going to take me a little bit longer. Um, but I think because we committed to, like, bringing me back gradually, having, like, a recovery day every couple weeks, days off, and then just keeping my mileage at a manageable level, then all of a sudden, last year, we got to a point where by the end of the year, I was now running, like, 100-mile weeks as kind of my standard. Um, so I think... 
having confidence and patience is what has really paid off. And now I feel like I'm already kind of at that next level much better than before I had chickens. And do you, is some of that just, um, it, it sounded as though a lot of that's just kind of your mental headspace. Do you think that's part of what has allowed you to train and race so well in the last couple of years, as opposed to years before? Do you feel like you're in a better place mentally? That sort of jumped out at me in, in that, um, explanation or answer yeah. no I I mean yes mentally I am definitely I guess stronger <clears throat> than I was earlier but I do think it's physical because the workouts that he used to write for me like last year would like scare me to death on paper I'm like there's no way I can run that and he just said trust me and I've hit every split that he wrote for me in New York so I knew he so meticulous um, that you just have to believe that like his number is correct and I, I literally hit everything like to the T. So once I believed him and took that kind of leap of faith, um, he wasn't asking too much more of me. He was just asking me to train a little harder. And I think it's really paid off. Um, so it's kind of like once you get to that place physically, then mentally you're like reaffirmed. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah that makes plenty of sense. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so following New York, uh, you've gotten back into training. Um, things seem like they've gone well. What what did you do after New York City uh, in terms of recovery to get back to that high level of training? So we took a two-week break, and I really love those breaks. I think they're extremely crucial after a marathon, and that means, like, no running, no exercise. People are, like, surprised. They're like, okay, like, you don't really take a break. What do you do? But I do no cross-training. I just eat pretty poorly and drink a lot of wine. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm just kind of lazy. And then once I feel like I feel really gross as a human. Um, that's when I know I'm ready to like start running. So that was two weeks. And then our first two weeks are pretty easy. We're just running pretty light mileage. Um, I have like a day or two off in those first two weeks. And then we start with like gradual fart legs to get, to get back into the swing of things. And then I kind of just like was a little bold and I'm like, let's put some races on the schedule pretty early. Um, ben was okay with that, but he's like, well, I'm not going to get you fit for those races. Those <laughs> will be kind of like your fitness boosters. Sure. And sometimes you will talk with Ben. You're like, that's right. But then you hope like right before he'll kind of change and be like, Ooh, let me give you this. So I was like, do you think I should do maybe a tempo run like this week? He's like, I don't. Your race is a tempo run. <laughs> so, like, he really sticks to his guns, which is important. Um, yeah, so then I went out to New York City, back to New York, for the um, New York Midnight Run. Mm -hmm. And that was quite the experience because it was um, crazy cold. It was, like, 10 degrees with a wind chill of negative 5. We were, like, waiting. I'm like, they're going to cancel. Like, it's <laughs> too cold. No one wants to run in this. But, um, yeah, that was a great race because I went in pretty ill-prepared and not very fit and it was a three-woman battle between myself molly seidel and sarah pagnano and molly won sarah was second i was third but we had like a seven second gap between yeah. each of us and honestly i'm just someone that like yes i don't like to lose but i felt like i was closer to them than i thought which was exciting because sarah had just won club cross right molly was second at the us 5k champs yeah earlier in November. So it gave me a lot of confidence that I was a lot farther than I thought, even without doing any workouts. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that's good company for yes. coming off. No, of, I was, I was pretty pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Coming off of, uh, eating and drinking a lot of <laughs> right, wine, right? sitting on the couch. Um, you were a little better suited, I guess, by the time you got there, but, yes. um, yeah. So then you rolled that into the rock and roll, uh, Arizona half marathon. 
where, yeah, I mean, I'll let you speak to it, but it seemed like it was a bit surprising again in terms of where the fitness was and, and how you finished. Ultimately, you won, of course. Um, but Yeah, we kind of planned that to be like more of a conservative race, and Ben gave me a pace. He's like, let's just go try to run 545s early, which truthfully at that time should have been like a workout. He didn't really want me to be um, like ill-affected from the race, right. like no soreness. And so I was like, okay. But then I told him that there were two good women, you know, that were entered. So if I get to a position where they're going a little quicker, like I obviously want to win. And he's like, that's okay. Like you can go a bit quicker, but then still at 10 miles, you have the green light and you need to go. So we got in the race um, and instead of 545, it was more like 540s and then started creeping down to 535s. So I was like, okay, I know I can do this, um, but maybe it just means I won't push it 10 miles. And so it ended up coming down to myself and this woman, Elvin Cabet, um, who trains out in Colorado Springs. And I hadn't raced her very much, so I didn't really know her credentials. She was just, she was right on me. And um, sometimes she was like next to me. A couple of times um, she was like right behind me. So I was like, we have a like fun little race. And then we got to around nine miles and that, the part of that race that stuck out was because two years ago, my husband, Ben, he had like an epic breakout race there, his huge PR, and he made a move at that point. So I was like channeling Ben's energy <laughs> where, yeah, he made that move. And then he just said he couldn't run fast enough. And it was like the greatest, one of his greatest race memories ever. And I just said, you know, be like Ben in this moment. So you, you climb up this hill on McDowell Road and we climb up the hill and I just like put the accelerator down and she did not give me an inch like she was right on me and I didn't look at my watch I'm like just run hard and then you turn around and enter Papago Park and it's some pretty fast miles and so finally like I glanced at my watch and I think the last mile was like a 515 oh. and I was like not dropping her <laughs> I'm like what is she who is this I usually I have don't, no more gears <laughs> yes I, I usually don't like I respect my competitors but I usually know like, oh, I'm racing so-and-so. She's run this. So right. I didn't know this. So I'm like, how am I not dropping her? But I feel like that's great practice because I'm going to run with some women in London I don't know and they're not going to let me drop them. Right. So I just like kept I just kept cranking. I felt like I was running so fast. And I'm like, she's literally like glued to me. Um, and then we got to a mile to go and I just, it like all hit me. I got that feeling you get in the half or like, the pit of your stomach, like you want to throw up, your legs are heavy, and you're just like, I'm done. Like, this is it. I, that's, that's all I had. I've been pushing the pace for the last five miles. And she went around me, and I had that, like, pity party for a second in my head, and, and I was like, you lost. And then I just, like, switched, and I was like, just run, like, one more minute hard. Like, just, just try. And when I did that, it was really weird. She slowed down, and I, like, felt her come back to me, and so then I was like right on her again. And my old self would have said, just go right around her. Like she's weak, she's vulnerable. But part of me like have been practicing kicking at the end of races. So I was like, you can kick, like just wait. Um, and so I just stayed right behind her and I waited till you make this right hand turn and that's the um, 13 mile mark. Then you have point one. And then as soon as we like went around the curve, I just, I don't know, I shut my eyes and I just sprinted <laughs> as hard as I could. Yeah, and I ended up winning by one second, and it was like, it ended up being one of the most, like, thrilling races of my career, and I had yeah. no idea it was going to be like that, Yeah, so it was pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely, and the time, it was 112, what was it? Uh, like, 112.31. 31, which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is 
45 seconds off your um, I've run 110 That's right. Okay. So, but I hadn't run, uh, that was actually the fastest I've run since I had kids, yep. I guess. So, yep. I'm just having a little asterisk. <laughs> right, right, right. But, um, yeah, anytime you can run, you know, within like a minute and a half of your PR, you know, in a setting that you weren't 100% fit was right. a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, the good, the the positive note to take away, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, and it, it obviously didn't take too much out of you. You kind of got right back into training after that. Um, what has that training continued to look like and sort of what will it look like? I know you have a couple of races on the schedule with uh, the USATF cross country. You have a half marathon on the schedule. Then you have London, uh, April 22nd, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, do you want to sort of talk people through what, like what that looks like and why maybe? Yeah. So after it was almost like I ran that fast, but Ben wanted it to just be like an easy effort. So it's almost like I shot myself in the foot. Like I better be ready to work out Wednesday. (laughs) Um, So I did all I could to recover those next two days. And I wasn't like that sore, but I definitely was a little more stretched to my limits. Um, But I think I took care of myself really well those next couple of days. Like it was my birthday and I didn't go out and get crazy. So I was really proud of myself for that. Um, You're maturing. Yes, I'm maturing. (laughs) I had one and a half glasses of wine. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, because I'm running the marathon and then I just came off a marathon cycle, this early season we wanted to you know, work on not necessarily speed, I guess you'd call it speed, but more like 10K effort, 10K half marathon. Um, So up here we do a lot of like tempo runs, threshold uh, workouts and stuff. It's just getting out of like that comfort zone of what marathon pace feels like. So yeah, that Wednesday we had um, a really nice workout. I'm not sure if you remember, but um, we did three times a mile and three times 800 and that last 800 was kind of cranking. Um, And that was kind of encouraging to be able to think I had that speed in me coming off the half marathon. Um, So that was super encouraging. Yeah, and then we've just continued to build from there, doing some shorter, faster workouts and getting ready for 10K cross in Tallahassee. And that's, everyone says it's a pretty fast and flat course. Granted, it is still cross and grass and a little gravel. But, um, you know, I feel like I'm in a good position, so I'd really like to try to line up and have a chance to win that race. There's some great women in the field, but I feel like I'm in a good spot right now. And then for the Gasparilla half a couple weeks later, um, yeah, I'd like to maybe threaten my PR there. It is a fast, flat course there, but sometimes the weather can just affect whether you can run fast or not. Sure, sure. And have you found success from that progression in the past in terms of um, building the distance of your races to kind of a – you know, your, your A event or your goal event, like, go, you know, in preparing for a marathon, racing a 10K, racing a half marathon, coming to the marathon, is that sort of a progression you've seen success from? You know, we've done it a couple of different ways. So I don't know if there was, I mean, I'm sure there's some thinking behind it, but like last year, uh, or excuse me, two years ago when I ran CIM, like I did the US 10 mile champs, but then I did a 5K um, about a month out and I was like, in very strong shape for that 5k just from marathon training so I don't know I think it's almost more it's just like teaching you as a marathoner yes you need to run marathon miles but you need to be well-rounded you know because if I eventually want to compete with like the best in the country make our Olympic team you look at the women who have done that they've all still run under 15 minutes for 5k they've run under 31 minutes for 10k you know so you still have to have like a little bit of those wheels so I think just doing other races that are off marathon distance 
it's all just practice and all just yeah put it in kind of in your arsenal sure sure yeah just teaching your body those faster paces right yeah right um well certainly your your performances your racing your training uh has developed a following for you you have a lot of people who um sort of take note of all that um in addition to that you seem to gain quite a lot of following from uh being open about uh your struggles through pregnancies um trying to come back and compete at a high level um so i'm curious if uh it ever bugs you that you might gain some of that notoriety from i don't know non-running uh fanfare so to speak or non-running reasons i suppose um or if you yeah sort of you don't really think about it in those terms or uh yeah, I'm just curious to explore explore uh, that space. Yeah, um, you know, two years ago when the article was written about me and I like shared a picture of my stomach, um, and like it went viral, and I had no intentions of that happening, but it was really funny. Before I ended up running the 10k at Sanford, um, there was all this like media attention, all that stuff, and then after, and I ran the Olympic standard. I remember there was this like message on Let's Run that someone forwarded to me and it was like I thought Stephanie Bruce was just like a social media gal but turns out she knows how to run because you know I had just I didn't run crazy I ran like 32 14 but I was six months postpartum but it was so great that they admitted like this is what I thought she was but it turns out she does run so that was kind of like the tip of the iceberg of yes there are some people that think I just have a following because I posted photos of my stomach. Right. Um, but, and then the joke, like on the team is like, well, I've got the mom, the mom fans wrapped up. <laughs> but I think the important message that I try to get off or get across in my career is I'm not doing anything secret or special. And I care so much about our sport that fans are so important and they're the ones that are driving shoe sales they're the ones entering races they're the ones in the stands on the streets cheering for us so if you give them nothing to cheer for like they're not going to mm-hmm. be there anymore um and so that's a big reason like our team has such a huge mission statement like share the journey and i love doing that because i always use like the analogy do you ever do you go to a movie and walk in in the last two minutes and you're like that was a fantastic movie no Like, you have to watch the whole movie and you have to watch the plot develop, right, to appreciate the ending. So that's what I feel like with athletes' careers. Like, you need to see, like, the training and their lives unfold to then appreciate, like, that gold medal or that win or that defeat. Um, And I don't know. It took me a while to realize this, but I also feel like it's our job to entertain the fans and to motivate them or inspire them. I don't, like, seek out every day to be this inspiring person and I think I'm just a total normal dorky like mom runner but it it resonates with people because it's just real I guess and genuine um and that's just like one mission that I've had and yes it not a lot of people like that and some people choose to not share but that's just not how I am and I don't think the attention that I've got in one aspect like bother bothers me but yes it does bother me when people say like my running accomplishments are lessened like because I'm a mom or because I have more of a following on social media because I feel like I work really hard in both aspects um and yeah that's just kind of my deal yeah no that makes total sense I mean in some in some respects it's like the racing results are not enough Mm -hmm. or the racing results are not important enough to only focus on 
there are other things that people should care about, like who you are. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, sure. Um, well, on the topic of um, people saying things via <laughs> social media or otherwise, uh, yeah, there was a bit of a bit of a back and forth on on Twitter, as you mentioned. NAZ Elite uh, tends to, or tries to, be very transparent, very open about all sorts of things, you know, details of a workout, your everyday lives, whatever. Um, with respect to the workouts in particular, some people view that as sort of like, well, bragging, for lack of a better term. Um, so, you know, you run uh, X pace for 20 miles at such and such elevation. Um, you know, you're bragging if you if you go out and say that. Um what do you think, do you think there's a difference? Like, do you see a difference in social media between people who really are bragging and those that are just trying to disclose the details? Is that like a distinction you see? I think so. I think as pro athletes, like, I never think of it as bragging because any of the feedback I get from fans is like, thank you. How could I do this workout in my terms? So I think what people forget is like, all these runners are just starving for information and they're starving right. for help and structure. And so as pros, if we can give them a little glimpse into what we do, maybe they can take that workout and like put it in, put it into play in their own paces. And when you're proud of something, like I don't think that's bragging. You're proud that like you had a breakthrough in mileage or, you know, for a lot of people that don't necessarily uh, train to race, they just train because that's like their outlet them having a break, a big breakthrough in like a workout is huge for them because they're like, man, I work 80 hours a week, I'm a lawyer, but I just like crushed that workout. Um, yes, I do have a correlation of you can't just say you're crushing workouts and then never translate it to a race. So I feel like that's a little more having integrity. And I do believe our team, when we share our stuff, like we're pretty close to what we you know, what we have on paper and then the results we have in races. And if you don't have the result, you have to be honest with yourself and say, did I wimp out? Or, you know, it wasn't the training that did it. Like, did I just have a bad day? Mm -hmm. But I think that's even more important to share it because they don't want to see, fans don't just want to see when you win. They want to see like when you struggle and how you get through that. So I don't like the idea of when people throw shades and say that it's bragging because um, it's not, it's just, helping the running industry and it's engaging fans and that's what we need to survive in yeah. this, you know for the sport to keep growing we need that right right yeah and like it, it would only it would be bragging if you were to only uh post about your successes but rather than just doing that mm -hmm. you and and all your teammates are, are both sides of the coin so yeah. you're gonna you're gonna share when there's hardship you're gonna share when there's success and so that makes it more than just oh i'm bragging about right. this workout it's like <laughs> This is about my training, about my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Well, moving on to the next topic. Um, as much as you can share via social media about your life, that you can't share everything. Um, <laughs> and you have, you've stated, so you've said something on social media that alludes to maybe something deeper, but uh, your teammate, Kellen Taylor, recently ran 433 uh, for the mile, which was a PR for her. And I think you shared that, uh, that post I think from NZ Elite and you said I'm never never feel bad about getting dropped <laughs> right. by Kellen um so yeah the the going view is that she's very tough um that 433 PR uh recent PR certainly speaks to that um is, is there any like can you speak more deeply to that more than just the surface level like oh Kellen's tough oh yeah she's definitely <laughs> she's 
people I forget, she has a daughter, so she's a total mom, and she has this house full of dogs, and she's a total dog lover, so I don't know, she'd like hate for me to say, but when we're like, we recently were in her hot tub after like a workout, and we were just talking about something, and we're just giggling, so it's like she can be just a giggling girl just as much as I am, but it's just like our personalities are different. I'm a lot more um, outgoing and I'm always positive and her persona at first comes off that she's not but it doesn't mean deep down like she isn't like that mm -hmm. she just she acknowledges that she's like you're so good at telling your story this way and then I almost want to be like Kellen why don't you tell this story about yourself and then she'll realize oh like that is pretty cool but I think it's just how I don't know if you meet her parents like everyone's so different personality wise but Yes, I believe that element of tough, toughness definitely like comes from her just being a little more um, bullheaded, I guess, and a little yeah. more stubborn. Whereas I'm like, here's a pace. Like Ben gave us this, let's just run that, and she's like, let's run better. But um, I think we balance each other really well, both our personalities and our training styles. So yes, she is very tough, but there's also a barrier you can break with her if you take the time to do it. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, um, I, I'm curious if you want to speak to that a little bit more. I feel like the almost her, her toughness comes out in the way that she approaches workouts. Uh, well, I don't know if toughness is the right word. Maybe bullheadedness. Yeah, I like, I like but, bullheadedness. But uh, I, I feel like maybe you could give um, some examples. Well, I've witnessed one um, in joining a recent workout, which which listeners should know. Uh, it was alluded to earlier, and I, I did get dropped uh, during that workout. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe... If you can speak to her style a little bit more, maybe that speaks to yeah. her toughness. Yeah, I mean, she, similar to me, she has huge goals, and she's already put herself as one of the best, like, distance runners in the country, and she's so versatile, running a 433 mile, and she's run 228 in the marathon. She was fourth at the 10K trials. So that toughness and bullheaded has certainly paid off, um, but I think what we're trying to teach her is to just run more relaxed like early on in a race and have confidence because anytime she's ever like been in control late in a race is when she has like that next gear whereas like raw foot speed she's much faster than I am but I've been able to close in races because I was like very in control throughout mm -hmm. the whole race right um and so sometimes in workouts I think what she would say she does, if she's not feeling good, she would, like, overcompensate and so, like, run harder than our paces. Um, like, we were doing that tempo, and it was supposed to be 5.30 miles, and, like, I was clicking off exactly, like, the right pace, and she's behind me. She's like, you're making me look bad because she was about to take over. Um, yeah, and we don't, like, fight by any means, but if it's a day where I know it's hard, I'm like, let's just run, like, how hard it's supposed to be. I don't want to run any harder because <laughs> we already have a lot coming up. Right. Um, but to her credit, she also, I think, has a different, like, physiology than me, meaning she has the ability to kind of go out and hang on. I don't really have that. Like, if I go over my edge, I'm toast and I'm over it. So right. it's learning that, and then it's me not, like, worrying about covering – her move in a workout like she'll come back to me if it's like the pace that we're supposed to be running yeah sure yeah. sure yeah yeah so in terms of that dynamic the 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 men on the on NAZ elite um have a bigger bunch side it's been you well you and Kellen here the last couple of weeks months mm -hmm. uh you've added a third teammate um so before speaking specifically about your new teammate uh can you speak to sort of that culture like what you just mentioned kind of this back and forth. You and Kellen have different strengths. You bring different things to the table. Um, how much does that help or or hurt 
uh, when it comes to training, getting ready for races? Would you prefer to have a bigger group? Like, what what do you sort of take away from from having people around you? Yeah, so I think our relationship is great because we can have those workouts where I'll be mad if she went a little hard, but then we're totally fine at the end of the day. Um, we just have like a really great mutual respect for each other. So I think that definitely helps that even if it's a day that the workout didn't go right, you know, I'm never like mad if I got dropped or whatever. Um, and it's a unique with the guys because yes, yeah, since they do have so many, they'll joke about, okay, you know, you will switch every two laps, you take over. And then Kel and I are like, okay, you get 10 laps, I'll take 10 laps. <laughs> um, so that's like the joke right now. So it'll be really nice to add a third woman, woman into the mix so we can split it by three. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a unique situation because I feel like the higher level you get, the harder it is to, you know, have, have a lot of teammates, right? Because you're all kind of going towards similar goals. Um, but once you find the like right people in the right mix, which I believe is what our team has right now, we have such a good camaraderie among us, such respect and pushing one another that this is just something that we're really lucky, like where we're at right now. Yeah, and so with the addition, I, I, it's Alphine. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I feel People like say, I knew they can call her Allie. She'll just say Allie. That's easy. Yeah. That's easy. Um, so with Allie, what uh, what what gets you excited about her uh, coming on board? Well, she will just be the second woman to kick my butt in workouts because, <laughs> um, yeah, she just is trained at a really high level, and she brings multiple national championships. I mean, we raced her in cross last year and she totally kicked her asses um but then you know a month later I was closer to her at world cross she was 15th I was 22nd sure. so I know that I'm able to like bridge that gap but on the other side of the spectrum she is excited to learn the marathon from us um because then Kellen and I beat her in New York so she brings so much like 10k half marathon strength and um like great times to us and then we are bringing that marathon like patience and strength to her so I think it'll be like a beautiful um, mix and yeah with the three of us training together I don't know it's just gonna be it's gonna be a great atmosphere yeah yeah and of course she's at a Wichita State I should have mentioned that before yeah, um, that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I on guess the, they, on they the never woman out now. Did, yeah right. <laughs> they didn't overlap you, no. they didn't overlap I didn't think so right. um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe you'll have to go get an honorary degree yeah, from Wichita seriously. State to sit in. <laughs> um, does, when is she going to join y'all? I'm thinking she should be here at the beginning of February. Okay, yeah. Okay. so yeah. she'll at least have be able to share some of the work in your block leading up. I think up. so, because Kellen yeah. and I won't be together that much since I'm running London and she's running Boston and they're yeah. different courses. Right. I think hopefully Alphine, she'll probably be running you know, a half sometime in the spring, but she'll mesh in. Uh, a couple of different workouts with each of us. Sure, which will sure. be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, okay, good. So let's see. In terms of the team, there's now again three three women. Um, do you hope that that grows? Do you think that that grows? Uh, yeah, speak to speak to that. I do hope it grows. You know, three women is a great number to start with. Um, but for the future, even when I'm not on the team anymore, like I want this program to continue. For years and years to come so i think it's important to have some young girls coming in that gosh would be like 10 years younger than me <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah they might be a little intimidated or just think it's a little interesting how much older we are but i think there's a lot that we could teach them um the younger women and 
on the contrary, I'm sure a lot of them will be coming in with like some quicker track PRs than we had coming out of college. So they'll keep us sharp in that aspect. And it's just always great to have a mix of, of age on the team because there's so much, you know, we bring experience to them, but they bring like eagerness and excitement and they keep us hungry because they have all these like big goals because they just got out of college. So yeah, I do hope, um, you know, some of the younger women are looking at our team and that eventually want to move to the marathon and see that we are marathoners, but we also feel like we can run well, you know, 5,000, 10,000 up to the marathon. Right, yeah. right. And that's obviously been shown over the last couple of years with you and Kellen, um, for sure. Uh, well, let's finish up where we started. Um, let's go back to London for a minute. Um, if, if Stephanie Bruce has her best day uh, and is as prepared as possible, what might we uh, expect to see? Didn't see that one. <laughs> um, well, I know that I want another top 10 finish at a major. You know, I said top 10 was my goal at New York. And as as good as that was on the day, that still wasn't 100% me. I had a couple things leading in. So I, I think that was 10th place was an off Stephanie Bruce. Uh, now I'm talking myself in third person. <laughs> but um, the best way to do yeah, it. I really, I would like to just make that jump that I've in training out on race day and I think I would really like I said like to close that gap between the 221 woman and the 228 woman so on that day I, I'd like to compete and that probably looks like a top seven finish at London and you know somewhere under that 227 range would be would be a really great day yeah and something I believe I've been capable of for the last few years yeah so scoring a PR is certainly absolutely one of the one of the main goals yes. there in London yeah, yeah. good okay well, we will uh, look forward to watching that progression towards that race and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thank you. All right, Steph, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Oh,